this morning we're looking at humility, and um, we we looked at them. We looked at humility in community groups during the week, and got some feedback. Thanks to those community groups who did um, send the feedback, like we asked, and um, some really great stuff came through. Um, and we're going to get some of those insights, and then we're going to do an interview. Um, also, just to, for you to know, if you've missed it, it was in the, I think it was in the newsletter, but uh, Phil and Steph had their baby, and so yeah. They're not here, they can't hear you clap, but uh, well done. And um, there is a picture of the little girl. I know it's AB, the B stands for? Beverly. Beverly, Beverly, that's right. So you can see Beverly in the, in the newsletter, she's gorgeous. Um, so the first description was like truly Australian. We, we asked the community groups to kind of describe humility in your own words as you go through the scriptures. And um, the first community group, uh, that got us a description was, was kind of a true Australian, brilliantly simple, uh, deepish insight that uh, summarizes like this, don't be proud, dum-dum. I think they're being more playful than insulting. Um, that's my guess. It, it did come from a great group. Um, it does reiterate the simplicity of humility, like don't overcomplicate it. At the end of the day, don't be proud, dum-dum. Um, it does help us get to the, the basics of it. Another group was equally simple um, and also focused kind of on the pride, proud side. Uh, they gave a memorable phrase. They said, being haughty is naughty. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I think between the two, we learned that pri- pri- uh, pride, proud, pride is to be avoided at all costs and humility is not an overly complicated thing. It may be difficult. You may find it difficult to be humble. But the concept of humility and the idea that we should be humble, from a Christian point of view, is not an overly complicated thing. Um, a slightly more complex insight came from a third community group, uh, and they managed to highlight the importance of humility and acknowledged how countercultural it is. So they said, the humble are regarded highly with the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is earth flipped on its head. The humble are regarded highly with the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is earth flipped on its head. And this has this like, kind of upside-down nature. You, you can think of Jesus saying the first will be last. The last will be first. They're kind of like, with God, some things are like just upside-down. And um, humility which maybe, you know, in our culture, we may think of humility as close to humiliation. In the kingdom of God, humility is like a high place to achieve. It's not a low standing, it's a high standing. Um, so it's a kind of upside down, earth flips on its head type of culture. Fourth and fifth perspective brought some deep insights and a surprising connection, which is quite helpful. Uh, one community group observed, God honors the humble in heart and wants us to care deeply for others. So they started drawing out the implications of humility, which is an, is an incredible connection. God honors the humble in heart and wants us to care deeply for others. In other words, what they're showing us is that those who are humble are not self-centered. Those who are humble in a, in a godly way, somehow humility turns us outward and focuses us on the needs of others. Um, and it was kind of a, a really good insight there. Um, the other group said, observed, Humility is the fruit of knowing and understanding God. The more I think I am, the less I understand God. Um, another 
profound insight, and I guess what they're, what they're showing us is that there's an um, unavoidable relationship between someone's relationship with God, humility, and caring about others. So we have this little tagline. You can see at the bottom of the slide, Jesus above all, others before me. I mean, it really could just be God above all, others before me. And, it, and right in the center of that is like, how do we get to be humble? Well, in, as we understand who God is more, and that uh, forms some humility in us, one of the outworkings is naturally our view of others changes into a more godly uh, way. And I think the interview will draw that out a bit more than I need to hear. And... Um, so we'll leave it there for that. C.S. Lewis uh, agrees with this, and he had connected these dots in mere Christianity. He says, as long as you are proud, you cannot know God. A proud person always looks down on things and people. And of course, as long as you are looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. <laughs> so Lewis agrees with the insights. He resonates with it. Um, and shows the direct connection between our relationship with God and humility. I think Tim Keller took this a little bit further to say, yes, a proud person does look down, but sometimes as well they look down on themselves. So proud isn't always arrogance looking down on other people. Proud can, pride people can be insecure looking down on themselves, which is also not a good relationship with God uh, or a result of a good relationship with God who um, brings us into a right relationship not only with others but also self. Um, so you cannot be proud and know and understand God. Knowing and understanding God causes you to be humble, um, which is wonderful. And Andrew Murray, some of you who are re, uh, like reading, you would have read Andrew Murray's book on humility. It's kind of like the tiny textbook on the subject. It's been around for many, many, many years. Uh, Andrew Murray writes, Humility is the only soil in which the graces root. The lack of humility is the sufficient explanation for every defect and failure. Humility is not just one grace among others. It is the root of all, as it shows us the, uh, to rightly position ourselves before God and yield to His sovereignty. That's profound. So he's saying all of these Christian graces and virtues, the way that the Holy Spirit forms us into Christ-likeness, the way that we, as we walk with Jesus, become like Jesus and you know, maybe it's the fruit of the Spirit. You become patient and kind and um, self-disciplined and forgiving and gracious. Uh, however, you may start being formed into the image of Christ. Andrew Murray is saying, the soil for all of this is a heart that is humble. If you don't have a humble heart, you're going to struggle to see any of the Christian graces and virtues formed in your life. So if you go, why am I struggling so much with patience? Andrew Murray, Murray is saying, it's not that you don't have a heart to become patient. It's that the, your heart still has some rough uh, pride in it that's in some way resisting. Maybe it's because the people that are, you're impatient with, you feel superior or inferior to. Um, and you're judging them. And it's hard to, become, to bear the fruit of the Spirit while you're also busy being a judgmental, legalistic, uh, arrogant or insecure person. You get what is, and so the heart becomes kind of the soil in which this great, the great graces of the Christian walk or the, the fruit of the Spirit grow. Um, what a wonderful insight. So these insights have a unifying thread. Here it is. As we know God, humility becomes both the natural response of our understanding and the cause for spiritual growth. So as we know God, humility becomes the natural response of our understanding 
and the cause for spiritual growth. Um, this is a relief because what it's saying is uh, you don't have to leave this room today and work hard at being humble. It's saying you can leave the room today and aim all of your efforts at getting to know God, at being in God's presence, at knowing what God is like, at asking God to help you in the journey. And a natural kind of response to this as you walk with God is humility. As, as you get understanding and fellowship with the Lord, uh, humility, God will, God will do the work in you. Um, so Mother Teresa, just to take it to a practical uh, guide level, and then I'm going to ask uh, this couple to come up and uh, we're going to interview them. Uh, Mother Teresa had a practical guide for daily living to cultivate humility in our lives. So she, you know, those of you who are more practically minded and you, you're just itching, you're like, okay, 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 I get what humility, just tell me like, give me like some framework, some ways to think about it. I don't really think this is like helps you do anything. I just think it helps you check in on your heart. Um, so here's a few things as I read them. Um, maybe consider if any of them kind of prick just a little bit. Um, she goes, uh, do, I need, do I need this more? To speak as little as possible of oneself. So just pause and think. Do you, do you sometimes or often make things about yourself? To mind one's own business. Not to want to manage other people's affairs. To avoid curiosity. Obviously, she's talking about an unhelpful curiosity, not a friendship. Uh, I don't really care what's going on in your life. I'm not curious. <laughs> she's talking about an unhelpful curiosity here. To accept contradictions and corrections cheerfully. Uh, quite simply, are you defensive? When someone lays blame on you and it's not fair, do you want to let them know why it's not fair? what they're misunderstanding. To pass over the mistakes of others. Do I need to do this more? Pass over the mistakes of others. To accept insults and injuries. To accept being slighted, forgotten, and disliked. Do you struggle with disapproval? To be kind and gentle, even under provocation. Never to stand on one's own dignity. To choose always the hardest. So in this sense, what does that mean? It's, it's sacrificial choices. It's the others before me. It's not putting yourself first. It's the harder thing to do would be uh, to look after the needs of others before considering your own. Um, so this is kind of a list, and I'm, I'm sure it pricks on everyone's heart somewhere, sometime, uh, I hope. Um, it's quite helpful. So, without any further ado, uh, let me welcome Robin Cheryl to come and join me. We've, we feel and sound like a small American church this morning. There's lots of clapping going on, and keep it going. I like it. Welcome, you two. Lovely to have you. Uh, as you, uh, I'm sure you would have guessed, when, whenever you do something like this, you can, you bound, it's bound to be like the worst week ever. Yep. So I'm sure... Definitely, Mark, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure that your week has been demanding and challenging and uh, time-consuming. So I appreciate you both being up here. 
And um, just to commend both of you, I think when we, when we, as we went through this and looked at it as an eldership team and thought, who could we ask just to, who could we interview about humility and ask just to chat to us about it? There was, uh, I, I, I can't remember who mentioned you, but there was absolute and immediate consensus. Um, so just to honor you and to thank you for the example you set for us as a church. You've, you've been here since the beginning and for 11 years, we've watched you almost 12 years in a couple of weeks. We've watched you and your consistent example. So thank you both so much. Thanks, Mark. Yeah. The Americans in the room, if you could just help us with the clapping. We don't always, we always, don't always know when to do it. So just get us going and we'll join. Um, all right. Uh, got a few questions. Let's start from the beginning. How would you define humility? Okay, I'll, I'll start. Um, by, by mutual agreement. Of both <laughs> <us>. <laughs> awesome. Um, first of all, we, we're, we're very humbled to be here. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, ser seriously. <laughs> we, we really are. Um, it, it's just um, a, a great privilege for us to, to share some things and I guess we're here because we're getting old <laughs> and, and we've learned some things so um, I hope that even just as we speak from our hearts today there'd just be some encouragement for you and some Wonderful. Um, practical stuff and yeah just sharing our hearts with you um, no lectures no none of that stuff um, <clears throat> so in talking about the the definition of humility um, as I, as I thought about it, um, something that struck me was I don't think we can be truly humble um, without a correct view or understanding of ourselves. Um, that sounds countercultural, but for me, unless I, un, for, I have not been able to understand humility without understanding the intrinsic value that I have no. to God. And I think that's what you were talking about was with the inferior and the superior attitude and where the pride comes in. So um, if you are a person who struggled with self-esteem issues or how you value yourself, until such time as we are content with understanding our value to God as precious, beloved, mm. chosen, a made with intention, mm. all of those things, uh, the concept of humility is going to be difficult. Um, we could... Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Sam. Um, I'll shift it to you just now. Um, the naturalness and the concept of it, I think, would be tricky. Um, so one of the scriptures that has inspired me so much is from um, John chapter 13, verse 3. Um, which I thought I had copied out, but I haven't. So it says, Jesus, knowing the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the table, laid his garments aside and filled um, a pitcher with water and washed his disciples' mm. feet. Um, so that incredible act of humility 
that Jesus did in the Last Supper with washing his disciples' feet came from knowing who he was. Mm. He was God's. He was God in human flesh. And he was able to set that aside and do something very humble and really humiliating in the sense that only servants wash people's feet mm. um, without any problem because he knew who he, who he was. Um, so for me, the, the kind of definition that I've come up with is <clears throat> that humility um, is a posture of the head and the heart and the mind that bows the knee to Christ in all his glory and supremacy and his mm. majesty. And because of that, it enables us to serve, honor, respect, and others in freedom and mm. self-forgetfulness. Because we know whose we are, we mm. are able to set aside and be um, so um, content in our identity as his children mm. that we can bow our heads and our hearts Wonderful. and serve other people. Um, just a little note on the side, this is a work in progress in me, <laughs> very much so. My husband's much better at it, but um, I'm still learning. And um, yeah, um, and the humble has its origin in the Latin word humilis, humilis, which means low. Would you, would you mind um, just giving us a definition again? Jib gave a couple of wows, and okay. I, I preach most weeks, and they're hard to get. Okay. So, <laughs> so you've got a couple already. Can you? Okay. Yeah, let thanks. me try and do that again. I've got notes all over the place, so let me try and do it the way I do. So humility is a posture of the head, heart, and mind that bows the knee to Christ in all his glory and supremacy, mm. Um, and because of that, um, it enables us to serve, honor, and respect others hmm. in freedom and self-forgetfulness. Beautiful. <laughs> there you. Wonderful. That's, that's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal. <laughs> awesome. Okay. So one of our values as a church is gospel centrality. So obviously we want all these things to come from our relationship with Christ. Otherwise, very easily we can, uh, these wonderful things can be just imposed legalistically or licentiously. You know, let's hope we get there, but it doesn't really matter. Um, so to, uh, just getting it back to Christ, um, how did Jesus demonstrate humility? You've already used him material. Thank you so much. Um, just to, again, just to honor them, I've got the notes that we have and Every single question, the first thing they've written down is a scripture, um, which I think embodies exactly what Cheryl said of laying it all down at the glory of Jesus. Um, the, the first thing they have in their notes is a scripture. And the first way of, you know, define humility in your own words. Well, Jesus washed people's feet. Go straight to Jesus. Just th thank you for that, guys. Uh, but sorry, Rob, um, how did Jesus demonstrate humility? Oh, so... Thanks, Cherry. You, you did a good job. But um, it's a privilege to read these scriptures because they, you know God, Jesus is the one that's so so powerful and so loving. So we don't mind bowing our knee to Him. Mm. Um, so I'm going to read from Philippians chapter two, verses five to eight. Have this mind among yourselves, 
which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and, found, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And I think this, this scripture um, is it's just incredible that mighty God, the creator of the heavens, the creator of the earth, who knit each and every single one of us together in our mother's wombs, and you know, he made us all, he loves us all, and yet he was willing, um, with all his power and all his might, um, he, he could have called down the armies of heaven and just obliterated those people who were um, humiliating him. His disciples ran away from him. They denied him. You know, I mean, he, he was really humiliated. But the amazing thing is that he, as we read on as well, he, he saw us. He saw you. He saw everyone here. He saw the whole world and he said, no, you know what? I love you more than this terrible suffering I'm going through today. Uh, and um, I think that's just, you know, that's why we can only look to Jesus and go, wow, God. You know, you were willing to take that incredible humiliation, the incredible pain, the incredible suffering, mm. because you saw us, you saw us, and you, and you saw the whole of humanity, and you just loved us. Mm. And you, and fortunately, there's victory in it. It's not the end, it's that he rose again. So I'm not going to leave it down. We leave it up. He's alive today. <laughs> He's alive today. So we can bow our knees to him today, because he's alive. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was my little bit. Awesome. So we saw uh, Mother Teresa's kind of list to help herself as a daily guide. How, how do you guys practice humility? Um, yeah, so that's me again. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to quick to... Um, sorry, I'm just going to change here to Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 3... Deuteronomy 8, verses 2 and 3. <clears throat> and you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, <clears throat> that he might humble you, testing you to know what is in your heart, mm. whether you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but that man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Mm. So, I, th I mean, we're going back here into Old Testament times, and um, it's amazing how <coughs> God had led, led the uh, Israelites out of, out of Egypt, but he still was on a journey with them. And, he, and the journey took, I think it was 40 years in the wilderness, it took longer than... We would have, any of us would have liked to be in the wilderness. But sometimes I think we, we God will, uh, His love for us is greater than the wilderness experience, if that makes any sense. So even though the journey in life, we might go, I think this expression, I hope it's not rude, this life sucks. You know, people say that. And sometimes you can go, hey, I know you're having a hard time. I can understand it. 
But I think there's a picture here that God is trying to see beyond the sucking, if I'm trying to make sense. <laughs> He, he, he loves you more than the, the pain he's putting you through. So, so therefore, he want, he's trying to maybe show that something in, in, in our hearts. Eh? We're not quite right here. And, and, and you're more important to me than the pain that we might be experiencing at the time. So it's hard to say, but it's a loving father trying to bring his children to his, to his heart, if that makes sense. So I'm going to... The, there's a... Um, I'll have to go. There's a nice quote. Mark was always good at quotes. So I found a good quote from Spurgeon. Ooh. I've never met Spurgeon, but he sounds a good guy. <laughs> um, so th this is about finding... I know, I know we talked about humility, and, um, but our, our daily bed, how do we do it on a daily basis? So um, I'll just go back there again. Man cannot live by every word, that, but by every word that comes from the from the mouth of God. And I think um, uh, God will help us to have a hunger for his word, a hunger for his word. And um, that hunger for, that, for his word will, if we're willing to humble ourselves, he, will, he can use that to change our hearts. I don't think we can change our hearts ourselves, but God will do it. Um, so Spurgeon says this, he says, I'll read the find, ev find life in every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Mm. Oh, keep to the word, my brothers. Keep to it as God's word. And as coming out of his mouth, suck it down into your soul. You cannot have too much of it. Feed on it day and night. For thus will God make you live the life that is life indeed. Yeah. So I think, you know, we can find such uh, love and inspiration from, from the Word of God. And um, he did say suck here, so it's okay. <laughs> oh, very good. Um, you, you made me think of, because I think sometimes uh, we think of God's Word as like a daily devotion or a morning devotion and then maybe we start thinking, oh, shoot, I haven't had my morning devotion, so I'm not, I haven't, I'm not putting God's word first. And we get caught immediately in the, the a legalistic practice rather than what you're talking about is a genuine hunger for God's word, um, which I think you said God, God will put a hunger into us for his word. Uh, which, it made me think of Regan when he got saved. Uh, Regan and Esther used to be, uh, most of you, uh, some of you would know them. I don't know how long they've been gone. They're, they're in Albany now. Um, Regan got saved and, and his CG leader said, um, hey, you should consider getting baptized. And I remember Regan's response was, uh, is that in God's word? Yeah. Because he didn't know it. He didn't, have a, have, he didn't know what God's word was. He didn't know God's word or ways. He just knew Jesus had died to save him. He repented. He got saved. And then someone else was saying, you should uh, get dunked in water. <laughs> it's like, is that God's word? Um, and someone showed him, and he's like, yeah, okay, let's do it. Um, which is exactly what you're saying, this hunger and su submission to God's Word that can be discovered a thousand different ways, and even in helping each other. What does God's Word say about this? Um, is that, would you agree or comment on that? Yeah. I, I absolutely agree, and I think um, when we become... It's, it's not like you say so much the ritual of, okay, 
this many minutes in the morning, every morning, otherwise I feel terrible mm. and guilty. It's just this um, attitude of the heart, I guess, that literally my life, um, I, I struggle to live my life in Christ without the nurturing and the food mm -hmm. of his word and, and the sense of being indwelt by his Holy Spirit and hearing him. I think um, hearing the Holy Spirit in our hearts um, comes with time and it's, there's such a clamor in our world. We hate silence. We've got to fill it up, man, with an iPhone or a, you know, we've got to be texting and we've got to be doing all the WhatsApping and all, no. sorry, the TikToking and the Instagramming. Um, we, we, we struggle with silence. And the reason why we struggle with silence is because we don't want to know what's going on inside of us and mm. we're not content with that. And I, I think we, we need to be able to set stuff aside and just to hear. And, and, and the Holy Spirit is wanting to talk to you. It just yeah. needs a moment. My, a lot of my moments are when I hang up the washing. I know it's weird, but those are my moments. I'm hanging it up. I'm not really saying or doing anything, and then he speaks to me. She won't let us hang up the washing. <laughs> there are other reasons, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's the word, it's hearing and, and, and prayer. And, um, yeah. uh, you reminded me in saying you don't even know who you, who you are without kind of God's word in your life. You reminded me of a, a pastor friend who asked the theologian Michael Eason, don't you ever get tired or bored? Uh, he was meaning of reading the Bible, but I think as you, you know, just of God's word. And Michael Eason leaned forward, old Englishman, and uh, not very animated, but he was on this occasion. And he went, no. I find myself in God's word. And exactly what you said, I don't know who I am if I don't know what God's saying to me or, or saying for us. Um, so in, in a wonderful sense, we can get lost in the will and ways of God. She's yep. um, great. All right. Thank you. Um, where are we at? So we've spoken, some of the community groups got to that uh, point, which, which I thought was very insightful that uh, somehow in our understanding of God as He humbles our hearts, it naturally affects our relationships with others, which also means that if we're not, if we're not having a relationship with God and, and we're not being humbled, that will also affect our relationships. <laughs> so, so for better or worse, we, there's going to be an effect on our relationships with God. And I don't really know how you guys are going to answer this question, but, but the, uh, the question is, um, how do you see humility affecting, or lack of humility, affecting your relationships with others? Um. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, I'm going to go back to the scriptures because that's too hard for me to answer. <laughs> 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 in, and in Philippians chapter 2, and verse 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in all humility... Count yourselves more significant than others. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I, you know that is such a challenging scripture because, and I, and I want to keep it close. So if I could, I don't think my my wife would be honest, but she couldn't say that. Um, if I had done anything in my life that hasn't been has been selfish, and she'll say, "Of course you have." But, you know, there's grace in it as well, you know, and I think that's, that's the beauty of it. I mean, I think God is, a, we, Jesus was selfless 
you know. And I suppose we've got to learn to be self selfless, like like he was. And but and it's a it's a it's a journey. Some days we make it, and some days we don't. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the other thing is <clears throat> our society, um, contemporary society, has sees value in people in different ways. Um, and looks down on certain people and looks up to others. And Jesus' example constantly was revealing um, how he spoke to, saw, and connected with people of every kind. Mm. People he was supposed to, as a Jew, despise. Um, he would speak to with mm. candor, with grace, with love. Um, the, the woman caught in adultery, various other things. He never spoke to anyone with, dis, with um, restriction or restraint in some ways, or, or everyone was the same. He spoke to people with love and honesty, and people came into his presence and fell down in their hearts to his um, deity, to who he was as God mm. and, and as Savior. So it's such a lesson to us. And I'm still learning that, to um, no matter what my circumstances are in a situation, to regard, and there are folks in this community who do it so well, <laughs> um, because there are things in our backgrounds and things in the way we were brought up that affect the way sometimes mm. that we speak to or connect with people, mm. um, the things that we, we will restrain ourselves in certain circumstances and we will extend ourselves in others. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to learn to say, um, how, how would Jesus relate to this person in this circumstance? Yeah, what would Jesus say to this person? How would Jesus react in, in this moment? Um, yeah, so always he's the example, but um, I don't, I, I, yeah, in, in yeah, honesty, it doesn't always go so well. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I mean, let's go there. How have you, how have you struggled with humility? Um, there's, there's a situation that has gone on for some time in my life. I don't want to give any details um, to protect uh, people's privacy and things. Um, but it is a situation where I have felt misunderstood and disrespected, and so it goes on now. Um, I did mention the whole understanding of our value in Christ, which enables us to be humble. Um, as a person who has struggled with low self-esteem and with not a, a healthy view of myself for many, many years, um, my go-to um, is defensiveness and um, the whole injustice and justice thing and I don't think that that's right. Let me just set you correct in, in your estimation of me and so on. So when, I, when this person spoke to me um, via email, actually, um, I felt completely misunderstood. And I was very frustrated because we had been down this road and I felt that um, I had not been heard or understood. So, as always, I come home to my wonderful sounding board, and he sits quietly while I rant away at how I feel over the situation. 
and, and over the years, he's amazing. He's learned not to say, but Cherry, you just have to forgive them because that just sets me off even more. <laughs> I know I have to forgive them. I don't need you to tell me that. I just need you, I just need you to listen and to feel sorry for me because I'm super offended. Um, so so he's, he's learned to, to just listen and, and, and understand and be gracious, um, which is just what I need. And then... Then there's this teensy little always injection of, but you don't need to, you know, you, you don't always need to respond to that. We know what the true situation is. And it's just, you know, it's just the way God deals with our hearts. So Mark had mentioned this to us last week, wasn't it? And this happened this week. And it has happened a number of times. And this came again and I was like, oh, I'm going to write an email back. And just say, I want to reiterate, um, just letting you know. Um, and I was so convicted of, um, with the whole humility thing that we've been discussing and, and the scriptures and everything, of just going, no, no, that is not the humble way of responding to a situation like that. It doesn't matter that I'm misunderstood. It doesn't matter that I'm disrespected in this way. What they think of me doesn't matter. I don't need their approval. And I've had to tell myself this over and over wow. again over the years. Um, I'm hoping that I'm getting there a little bit more one inch at a time. Um, but just to share with you a really real example of how, um, yeah, none of us like to be humiliated, mm. I think, but being able to, leave that with Jesus mm. and go, okay, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to respond to the email. I'm going to be content with um, knowing who I am as mm. his and be okay with that. And I, I pray that as time goes on and as Jesus continues to change my heart, I'll be able to do that more and more. Um, mm. Yeah, so that's, that's just one little... <laughs> uh, question on the fly why, why do you think humility is so painful for all of us um, I think we, we don't none of us want to be um, put in a painful situation more does that, does that you know what I mean it's, but I suppose because there's pride in our heart and that stands against what God wants to do in our lives and um, it's so he needs to take a chisel and take out that pride, which can be very painful. Yeah. There was a, you know, I think that's, wasn't that, was a C.S. Lewis quote, I think, about the, the suffering is. God's uh, megaphone? No, it's God's chisel. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. take, he cleans our, it'll come to the next scripture, actually. Wait, son. Yeah, it's, it's painful, though. I, I think that until we, we are humble, he can't work mm. in our hearts the way he would want to because there's too much of us in there mm. um, for him to be able to have his way and do what he wants to do. Mm. And it's hard for us to give that up yeah. and allow him to... Yeah. In the past, when God was doing things in our lives, it felt like, pardon the very graphic picture, it felt like a flesh was being scraped off with a butter knife <laughs> as he <laughs> as he humbled us and taught his complete dependence on him 
it was an excruciating process because mm. you have to learn to die. Mm. Um, but he has been patient and yeah, I'm still learning. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, you made me think of how often we hear, I haven't really been able to work it out over the years, how often we hear that walking with Jesus, you cannot follow a, a savior that was crucified without going through a cross yourself. There's, there's no way. Um, and it's always like, well, we don't really get persecuted. Life's so comfortable. It, our faith is allowed in our country. We can be here worshiping and talking openly. Uh, where, where is this cross? Um, but it really is moments like the crucifixion of the heart, the flesh, mm. the pride, the, where we really do have to die, yeah. right? If you can bring it home to, I mean, um, just relationships we're having and, and what does God say about that relationship or what does God say about that situation? And, and suddenly if we're really listening to what and reading the word and finding out, we do have to die because we might not necessarily want to go that way. You know, our, our desire is that way and God's word says quite clearly that way. Yeah. So who, who's going to win the, in, the, in the race? You know what I mean? Are we going to die to our passions? And let Jesus live in us, or are we going to follow our passions? Yeah. So, but that's painful. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, you've shown us the glory of Jesus in humility, that he's our great example. Um, you've, I think, spoken on behalf of all of us with your honesty and vulnerability of saying it's not always easy for yourselves. Mm. Um, and I appreciate Cheryl even opening up uh, really humbly that, you know, you're due to talk about it. You, you could arrive on stage as the expert or as the one who's still struggling to see Jesus uh, form humility in your heart. So thank you for being vulnerable and humble in that as well and showing us that it's okay to be honest and share with each other. I'm struggling. Could you pray with me? Could you help me? Um, what encouragement can you leave with us this morning around humility? <coughs> Sorry. So I've got um, reading from Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14. It says, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciences from dead works to serve the living God? <clears throat> we are so blessed that <clears throat> Jesus has done everything that needs to be done mm. to save us and to cleanse us and to purify us mm. so that we can um, uh, serve him and love him, and, and then, he, then he asks us to love each other too. So it's a, it's a road, but we're very grateful that <clears throat> the, the working of Christ, to, um, the sacrifice that he made for us, <clears throat> is enough to, to change our, our, our hearts, which as Cherry and I say the same thing, my heart's not perfect, mm. but we can keep looking to Jesus and asking him to forgive us because um, of the incredible sacrifice that he made. And and have and have hope, knowing that there's there's the, the, there's abundant life in um, in living for Him, rather than living for ourselves. Yeah. I, I just feel to say, um, <coughs> please be encouraged that if any of you are going through a time of feeling that God is humbling you, mm. or people are humbling or humiliating you that um, he hears you and he sees you. Um, the Holy Spirit is in you um, and he's transforming you. We have that scripture that says all things work together 
for our good, for those who love him and are called according to his purpose, which is us here. But the next verse talks about us being predestined to be conformed into the image of Christ from Romans chapter 8. And we don't like that one so much because it's hard to be conformed into the image of Christ. But I just, I just want to encourage you. Um, please know his hand is on your head and his spirit is in you and he loves you. And he is working all things together for your good and his glory. Um, and you will, if you are going through a hard time, he is, he is drawing you through. He will never leave you. His Holy Spirit is in you and on you. And he will encourage you and he will give you grace for the journey. And he, yeah, he'll bring you forth as gold. So be encouraged. <coughs> Stay the course. Lift your heads and look at him. And yeah. I'm going to ask the two of you to pray for us in a moment um, and then Jib will take us to communion. I just want to invite us to respond. Um, you, I don't know if you ever... I'm not a great movie watcher. Um, we were told by friends this weekend they're watching a movie as a couple and one of them was got into the movie and the other one was on the outside making comments. And so the one was like, could you just stop? Because I'm like in the movie... And I don't want to come out of it to like join your conversation. I don't understand that because I don't think I've ever got into the movie. Um, but sometimes you watch things and you're like, oh, they're getting stuck in like the surface stuff and they're missing what's like really going on. And it's, I don't know if you ever, if you ever watch and get that kind of frustration where people are like dealing with surface tension and you're like, you're not understanding each other's hearts or the bigger issue. Um, I think Cheryl's given us a great example of how sometimes God works on us. And it's so painful and difficult that we get distracted by responding to the immediate. Like, I can distract myself by being humbled, which is going to be really painful, and I won't really understand, and I'll have to go, God, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. Or I can write back an email and fight for myself. And that's immediate, and I can get distracted by that. I can enjoy that because I know I'm right. You know, um, I'm in a better position or this could be fun. Or whatever it is, or however it might be, you know, whether we're impatient with people or react to things or just whinge about life. Or it, we can distract ourselves away from the pain of God humbling us and having to submit to the mystery of, I don't know what God's doing, and this is a sucky situation, but He is sovereign and I can rest in Him. Um, and I cannot respond, and I can uh, ask the Holy Spirit to help me bear His fruit in this situation. And, and, uh, and I think in time, we will look back and go, God really did do something. I can see it now. Um, but I guess what I, why I'm saying that is I want to invite us to respond. If, if you, one, realize, you know, humility is something I really do need to grow in, um, then I'm going to invite you to stand in a moment and just... Uh, and, and no one's going to look around, so you, know, you can't nudge someone who's still sitting and say, uh, look, I think, <laughs> I think you need to be standing. <laughs> just, don't, you know, just sit if you want to sit. In fact, lie down or even leave if you so desire. But if you feel like as they've spoken, you're like, man, the Holy Spirit, humility is, you know, when we see it in the light of Jesus and His glory, all those qualities are attractive, and even the pain and suffering of it is attractive. Uh, we're like, I'll do anything to be more humble. Take, God, take me through whatever you want. Humble me. I want that. 
So if, you, if you're getting a glimpse of that as they speak, then I'm going to invite you to stand. And then also I'm going to invite you to stand if you recognize that you are prone to distracting yourself from what God is doing in your life. By kind of that battle of, you know, like your initial submission and then your inner voice is like, no, but you have rights here and you should stand up, up for yourself and don't always like lay down. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I should. And you fall into distraction again. Um, then you stand up too and, and kind of go, God, help me to stay submitted to you. Help me to know how to, at times, if, if speaking up is necessary, help me to do it in a humble, uh, non-proudful um, way. Um, or otherwise, just help me to know what humility looks like in these situations. Um, so if you fall into either or both of those camps, uh, then I'm just going to ask you to stand. And if you guys would just pray for us, either both or either of you, uh, however you'd like to do it, and then Jib will take us to communion.